So it's good to be back. I've been gone for two weeks, so I'm actually looking forward to being back up here this morning and speaking. Uh, I've missed you guys. I was on vacation. Andy covered while I was gone and did a fantastic job. He actually got us started on this new series we've been in called Forgotten Virtues. Uh, did a fantastic job speaking over the last couple of weeks about honor and about integrity. So if you didn't get to hear those, you can jump online or go through the app and, and listen to him. But this morning, I'm going to speak, as I said earlier, on this subject of gratitude. So I found out that there was this professor in Boston, and uh, he had the opportunity to speak to this graduating class of seniors at this college, and uh, he was kind of preparing them for their entrance into the world, and, and gathered around with these, these students, dozens of them all gathered around, and he said to them, you know, I want to tell you that life for you is about to change, and you're about to enter the workforce, and uh, you're going to a new chapter of life, and, and there's a lot being said about you. In fact, there's a word that a lot of people are using about, about you guys, this graduating class, and, and it begins with the letter E. He said, do you know what that word might be? And these students thought for a bit, and some of them said, is it, is it enthusiastic? Because we're ready to go. You know, is it, is it excellent? Because we feel like we're pretty excellent. They're, they're, they're taking a few guesses here at, at what that word may be. Energetic. Maybe it's energetic, because we are ready. But that wasn't the word he was looking for. Can any of you help me with what word you think he might have been looking for? Entitled. Yes. I think he, they were probably a little disappointed to hear that word. But he said, you know, the truth is that there's this kind of feeling right now that some of you who are entering into the workplace, you're entering with this, this kind of entitled mentality. It's a word that you hear a lot nowadays. You actually hear it spoken a lot over a generation that we're calling the millennials. Some of you this morning are millennials. If you were born um, after around 1982, 83, 84, around that sort of time, right the way through to 2004, then this morning you are a millennial. And unfortunately, with, along with all the wonderful things that could be said about this generation, some, some are saying that this generation, like no others before, has this kind of entitled mentality. Now, you may not think that's fair, you may not think that's right, but unfortunately, you don't have to go too far to find some truth in this. I found a website this week that was talking about um, this idea of entitlement through the lens of the website GoFundMe. Has anyone heard of that website, GoFundMe? GoFundMe is a website that's used to collect money for various different projects, various different needs. And uh, it was talking about how some people have this kind of entitlement mentality, and it's crept into some of these GoFundMe accounts. For example, there was one gentleman, he was on there, and he'd started up his own GoFundMe account. He was trying to raise $1,500 so that he could buy a treadmill. Yeah, he needed, he needed a treadmill. Listen to what he said. My dear friends and family, I am cold and weary. I need a treadmill. My son needs me to have a treadmill. My girlfriend needs me to have a treadmill. My employer needs me to have a treadmill. Without a treadmill, I will die. Thank goodness for GoFundMe that we can save this man's life and help him buy that treadmill. His, his GoFundMe account was about four years old. He's raised $375 so far, but I'm, I'm rooting for him. Let's hope he gets it. There was another girl there. She was asking for $500 to celebrate her 25th birthday by going to a music festival. She needed $500 to get to this festival. She insisted that she deserves it because it's been a crazy 24 years. <laughs> then come on, people, cough up. It's, you don't know how crazy her 24 years have been. Let's help this girl at 25. 
This one was my favorite. It was from some dude named Aaron who needed to raise $349 to buy his buddy Nick a PlayStation 4. Because, yeah, this is on GoFundMe, okay? Because he and the rest of the boys, they like to play PlayStation 4, but Nick doesn't have one. So this is what Aaron wrote. Being spread out across the country, I feel like there should be music playing here to sense, you know, capture the sentiment of this sad, sad need. Being spread out across the country leaves us with only one guy's trip a year, a daily chat, and hours of PS4 fun filled with laughs, cries, and yelling. But unfortunately, Nick does not have a PS4, and he cannot participate in our male bonding time. And Aaron, who made this request on Nick's behalf, stressed the urgency by explaining that he, Aaron, was pretty soon to be expecting a baby. So unfortunately, we don't have much time before I will have a little one in the house, and my time on the PS4 will be even more limited. What a nuisance that kid's going to be. <laughs> I mean, come on, this is really messing with Aaron and Nick's lives. Thank you, GoFundMe, for being there for these great, great needs. In fact, it's got to be hard, hasn't it, as you're scrolling through those pages of people with cancer, needing help for medical procedures or funeral expenses, maybe the money to buy um, that guy a car who's walking five miles to work every day and five miles home, to have to sift through them to find the real needs like Nick, who really needs a PlayStation 4. It's that entitlement kind of creeping in there. But before we get too hard on this generation, let's step back a bit here because I think the truth is that maybe this generation is so in showing some of these entitlement traits because they were dealt a bad hand from a generation before that worked too hard, a generation that chose family over, oh sorry, chose career over family. A generation that saw a lot of marriages falling apart. And as a result, because of the lack of love and attention that that generation felt that they could give their kids, they overcompensated by, by trying to buy their kids happiness. You want this? You can have this. You didn't get good enough grades to, to make it into the honors class? Let me talk to your teacher. We'll get you in that honors class. Hey, I know your team didn't win a single game this year, but guess what? Yeah, you're getting a medal because <laughs> you participated. So well done. And we've created this monster, haven't we? We've kind of created this entitlement generation. And now these, these young people, they're growing up and they're entering the workforce and they've grown up in this environment. And the truth is, that we could very easily point our fingers at this generation and say, wow, how entitled you are. But the truth is, if we're really honest with ourselves, I think all of us deal with a little bit of entitlement, don't we? I think all of us kind of deal with that. And I think the best way to challenge this, the best way to stand against this, is through gratitude. In fact, I think gratitude is a forgotten virtue. I think sometimes we don't use this enough. And if you sense any ounce of entitlement in your life and you don't like what you see, then let me tell you this morning how gratitude will help set you free. You know, to help dig a little deeper into this subject, we're going to look at an event that took place in the life of Jesus. One of the four writers of the Gospels, a guy by the name of Luke, he tells us this wonderful story. We're going to read it together. He says in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19, as Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, 
He reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered the village, there were 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance. When they saw Jesus, they cried out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, let me just kind of frame this picture here for you just for a second. So maybe you're familiar with this, but back in Bible times, leprosy was a horrible disease. An incurable disease, it caused immense amounts of suffering. People would have sores and, and just be in constant pain. They would actually lose fingers, lose limbs just because of this disease. And, and then on top of the pain and the suffering, it was considered an unclean disease. So anyone that had leprosy, if you came anywhere near them, they had to shout out, Get back! I'm a leper! Imagine living like that where you have to shout at people. Aren't we fortunate today that maybe we've got a stomach bug, but we feel okay to go to work and we don't have to, as someone approaches our desk, shout, get back, I have diarrhea. (laughs) It just wouldn't be fun going to work on a day like that, would it, really? (laughs) 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 But that's what's happening in the lives of these people. So they're living without hope and suddenly they see Jesus. This man they've heard about, this man who has been healing cripples, healing blind people, and healing lepers. They cry out to him. He looked at them and he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. They were healed. Ten of them were healed. One of them, verse 15 tells us, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Luke kind of reminds us here, you know, of all the people, you know, we kind of look down our noses at the Samaritans, but of all of them, it was the Samaritan. He came back and said, thank you. Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God? Has no one returned to show gratitude except this foreigner? And Jesus said, stand up. And go, your faith has healed you. So we don't know why the other nine never came back. Maybe they were just so excited, so caught up in this, that they had to go and tell their family and friends who they'd not seen for so long because of their unclean state. Maybe they they told people that Jesus has healed them. Maybe they were telling everyone, no, no, it was a miracle. Jesus healed us. And, And in telling others, they just assumed that Jesus knew that they were grateful. But what we do know is that out of 10 people, one returned to say thank you. One returned to use those two magic words and say thank you to Jesus. Praise God for this miracle. You know, maybe this is a little insight into human nature. Maybe uh, the psychologists in the room or the world could say, you know, that's, that's kind of interesting. That's a little experiment that goes to show that out of 10 people, only one said thank you. Maybe that's representative in the, the world in which we live of how many people really show gratitude. My kids, one of them, I won't say which one, but one of them has a couple of friends and we give them rides home on a regular basis. And it always amazes me because we'll pull up to their house and we'll stop right outside and, and they just both jump out of the car and they're out of there. Not a word is spoken. No thank you, not even a goodbye. They just, they just get out and go. And every time my, my kid is in the car with me and I turn to them and I say, listen, don't you ever get out of the car and not say thank you. Or at least say goodbye, but say thank you. Because I think naturally, more people than not have a hard time showing gratitude. 
And my question to you this morning is, out of those 10, when it comes to gratitude, will you be the one? Will you be the one? Because truthfully, the odds are stacked against you. But will you be the one? Will you be the one that daily pauses to give glory and honor to the one that gave you life? Will you be the one to stop in all the business and, and lift up a true heartfelt worship to the creator and sustainer of this universe? Will you be the one to give praise and honor and worship and glory to the one who when you were far from him, as we remembered in communion this morning, he sent his son Jesus to do something for you that you couldn't do for yourself. He set you free. Will you be the one who not only thanks God for everything that he has done, but, but thanks others in your life, shows gratitude, becomes known as somebody who is a person who lives with gratitude. Because if you will this morning choose to be the one, I want to tell you that gratitude isn't something that will come naturally to you. You give me 10 people, and the majority of them won't come back and say thank you. Only one came back. If you will choose to be the one, it's a choice you're going to have to make, and a habit and a behavior that you're going to have to learn. But not only will it help you put down that entitlement mentality, I want to talk this morning just about some of the wonderful, the wonderful benefits you'll experience in your life if you live a life full of gratitude. The first thought I had this morning is that gratitude brings joy. Gratitude brings joy. There's a portion of the Bible that's in the Old Testament, and they're called the Psalms. There's 150 of them. They're written by um, a lot of different people. They're kind of like poems or songs that were written back in, in Old Testament times. But a lot of them, if you read them, they're full of praise and glory and gratitude. David was one of the main psalm writers, and others were writing these, and some of them were struggling, and some of them were, were having tough times, but a lot of them were like, God, we want to put pen to paper, and we want to tell people how awesome you are. Listen to Psalm 95, verses 1 through 3. Oh, come, let us sing to joy, sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving, with gratitude. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. Now, here's the interesting thing about gratitude bringing you joy. It would be easy to read that and think, well, you know what? i got some stuff going on in my life right now that's kind of frustrating. There's some junk in my life. I'm just not sure if I'm ready for gratitude. Now, when the joy comes, then I'll be gratitude. But what? What if... It actually happens the other way around. Listen to what this lady has to say about this subject in this video. I think the relationship between joy and gratitude was one of the most important things I found, I found in the research. Um, I wasn't expecting it. Um, but what I found, you know, 12 years of research, um, 11,000 pieces of data, I, ha I did not interview in all that time a person who would describe themselves as joyful or describe their lives as joyous, who did not actively practice gratitude. Um, and for me, it was very counterintuitive because I kind of went into the research thinking that the relationship between joy and gratitude was, if you're joyful, then you should be grateful. But it wasn't that way at all. It was really that 
practicing gratitude invites joy into our lives. And when I say practice, I think this is, this is the part that really changed my life. It changed my family and the way we live every day. When I say practice gratitude, I don't mean kind of like the attitude of gratitude or feeling grateful. I mean practicing gratitude. These folks shared in common a tangible gratitude practice. They either kept gratitude journals. Um, some of them did interesting things like at 1, 2, 3, 4, like at 12, 34 every day. They said something out loud that they were grateful for. They, um, one of the things that we do, like we say grace at dinner. And so now after grace, we go around and everyone in my family says something they're grateful for. I mean, and what's interesting is when we first started, I have um, a first grader, a first grade son, Charlie, and eighth grade daughter, Alan. And at first I thought, and we've been doing it for a couple of years now, like they're like, oh God, mom. And there was a little like, this is, you know, are you experimenting on us? There was a little bit of that. But now what's interesting, even after we did it for like a couple of weeks, that on those crazy busy nights where we're trying to like get to soccer and piano and homework and Steve and I are just like, we say a quick prayer and we start eating and my kids are like, whoa, what are you grateful for? And it's been extraordinary because not only absolutely does it invite more joy into our house, um, it also is such a soulful window into what's going on in my kids' lives. You know, so there are some days where my eighth grader will be like, I'm joyful that there's a huge thick wall between my room and my brother's room. You know, something just very, you know, honest. But there are other days she'll say, you know, she had a friend whose mother recently died. Um, and she said, you know, for a month she would say, I'm just so grateful that y'all are healthy right now. You know, and so not only did it make us all more aware of what we had and more willing to slow down and really be thankful for the joyful moments we had, but it let me know where she was emotionally in her life. You know, and my son is, is always, you know, I'm grateful for bugs, I'm grateful for frogs, but sometimes he'll say, you know, I'm grateful that you picked me up early, or, you know, I'm grateful that I finally understand adjectives, <laughs> you know? So it's, there's a great quote um, that says, it's not gratitude, it's not joy that makes us grateful, it's gratitude that makes us joyful. And um, it's by a Jesuit brother, a Jesuit priest. And I guess I was just amazed to find that bubble up so strongly in the research. It's life-changing. So I don't know if you caught that phrase there at the end, that, um, that quote, it's not joy that makes us grateful, it's gratitude that makes us joyful. I thought that was phenomenal when I was thinking that through this week, preparing this message, that, that just changing your behavior, just not having just the attitude of gratitude, but making decisions to say, I'm going to somehow find ways to express gratitude. Maybe it's telling somebody, hey, thanks for being who you are. Maybe it's a boss talking to an employee saying, hey, thanks for what you do. Maybe a husband talking to a wife, hey, thank you so much. And just expressing that gratitude, how that creates the joy. You know, another quote I came across from the lady Brene Brown in that, that video there. She said, we are a nation hungry for more joy because we're starving from a lack of gratitude. We're hungry for more joy, but we're actually starving from a lack of gratitude. So are you looking for joy this morning? Because gratitude can bring you joy. And do you know what else gratitude can bring you? Gratitude can bring you satisfaction. I believe this. Do you know what else um, a sense of entitlement can foster? It can give you that kind of belief that we need or we deserve more. How many of you have ever kind of stood in your closet or opened the drawers of your dress and you're like, ah, oh, I've got nothing to wear? Well, that's not really true, is it? 
I mean, there's a lot of stuff in that closet. You do have a lot of stuff to wear. And do you know who bought all that stuff in that closet? Yeah, you did, okay? So if you think you've got nothing to wear, that's your fault, because you, you bought all that stuff in that closet, okay? So really, you do have a lot of stuff to wear. But apparently, despite the fact that the shelves are full, we're standing there thinking, you know what? I just don't have anything to wear. Do you know what? I've been to some places in the world where I've met some people who literally had nothing to wear. I went on a missions trip a few years ago with an organization called Compassion. We went to Ecuador. I got to meet some families living in extreme poverty. In some areas where Connect since then has been able to build two different churches, two different Compassion Children Centers that now are reaching hundreds of children who live in poverty, rescuing them from poverty in Jesus' name. You've helped do that. Some of you are sponsoring some of those children. Some of you are making a difference in their lives. And literally, some of them have nothing to wear. So next time we stand and look in our closet thinking, ah, I've got nothing. Let's, let's remember. Let's get some perspective there. You know, it's trips like that that, that cause me when I look in my, uh, or when I pull into my driveway and I'm like, ah, only two cars can fit in my garage. I wish there was room for a third. <laughs> Someone said to me recently, it's amazing how many times you're able to fit the word garage into your messages. I, I do work very hard at that. I try on a regular basis to try and build my messages around that word. But, um, but so often we can get caught up in our lives, can't we? Maybe that kind of entitlement creeps in. I wish I had a bigger this. I wish I had that. I wish. Instead of being thankful, grateful for what we do have. Remembering that actually what we've got is way more than what the majority of people who live in this world have. Paul talks about this very subject when he's writing to the church in Philippi. He says in Philippians 4, 11 through 13, Now, um, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned, that's a key word there, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or, or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Paul's saying, I have learned how to be grateful, how to be content with whatever I have. And I think the reason he uses that word learn is because it's something he's had to choose to adjust his lifestyle too, because the reality is, nine didn't come back to say thank you. One had learned how to be grateful. One had learned what it looks like to show gratitude. So this morning, will you be the one? Because when we choose to look at what we have and be grateful for what we have, it changes our perspective. It changes our satisfaction with what we have. As a family, we were on a vacation just a couple of weeks back out to California. We had a fantastic time. We got to see and do lots and lots of stuff. And uh, one of the things we got to do was we got to go to a, a beach out there in, in California called Venice Beach. You may have heard of this. It's quite famous. And, and on Venice Beach was Muscle Beach, uh, which obviously I had to go to. And... Um, <laughs> So we get there, and me and um, Casey had kind of stayed on the beach. She was just hanging out. So me, Ben, Will, and Emma, we walked over to this area where this, like, bodybuilding area is. And it's just the craziest of places. Muscle Beach, Venice Beach. It's just a really kind of weird place. A lot of weird and wonderful people all around. And um, there were people, you know, 
lifting stuff. I don't know what they're called, <laughs> as you can probably tell. Um, lifting and pushing and squatting and all these different things. And it was just really interesting to see. There was another kind of park nearby where they were climbing ropes. And, uh, and my kids just loved it. So there was also a skateboard park just across the way. So we went across to this skateboard park, and we were checking that out. So, um, so me, Will, and Emma went to the skate park. Ben stayed back over here, and he was watching some of these guys in, the, um, in these exercise areas. So I had to go to the bathroom. So I said to Will and Emma, hey, you guys go back over to Ben. I'm going to use the bathroom real quick, and then I'll come back, and then we'll all go back to Mum on the beach. They're like, okay. So I go to the bathroom. I come back, and I come up to Ben. I was like, hey, where's Will and Emma? He's like, I don't know. I was like, I just sent them back over here. Where are they? He goes, I don't know. They didn't come back. So instantly, I'm like, <gasps> like that just panic. You know, like, what, what, where do they go? What? So they don't have their phones with them, so I call Casey, and she's back at the beach, and she answers. She's, I was like, hey, is Will and Emma there? No, they're not here. Then I really started to panic. I was like, Ben, he's like, what? I was like, well, did you see them? You know, I'm just, and just for about, I mean, it, was, it felt like ages. It was maybe like 10 seconds. I'm just like freaking out. Suddenly my phone rings. It's Casey calling me back. And I answer, and it's Will. He's like, hey, Dad, it's me. Me and Emma decided we would just walk back to Mum. And I'm like, because we're in the middle of, like, these things doesn't know where we are. You know, this is just terrifying for me. And then suddenly, and here's the crazy thing. Nothing had changed. Will and Emma were fine. They were back with the case. I was with Ben. Nothing, you know, in the world to change. But, man, my attitude in that moment, I was so grateful. So grateful for something that I took for granted or I take for granted on a regular basis that my kids are okay, that they're safe, that they're where they're meant to be. And here's how gratitude could affect our satisfaction. If we're always wishing for more, always looking to uh, the person next to us who has something bigger or better, we miss out on the gratitude of what we do have. And I hope and pray it doesn't take something like that to help you realize how grateful you are. It's just looking at those moments saying, God, I'm so grateful for my family. I'm so grateful for my health. Just those little things. It'll dial us right back in to being satisfied with where we're at. Here's the last idea I had as I was preparing this message. I think gratitude actually changes your behavior. Listen to the way the, the, the guy responded. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. That's a pretty behavioral response. That wasn't him coming up going, hey, dude, thanks. Appreciate it. All gone. You're awesome. I mean, he's like shouting, he's probably running, he's jumping up and down. He's, what's happened to him? This, this impact that Jesus has had in his life, it's changed the way he's behaving. And I actually believe that when we start to understand what God has done for us, when we start to understand the blessings we have in our lives, when we start to exhibit and behave uh, with a heart of gratitude, it changes the way we behave. I can give you a real practical example of this. So last week, uh, we got back from vacation. We were here last Sunday. Andy was speaking. At the end of his message, he calls Casey and I up onto the stage. So it turns out that the week before, he'd been speaking on honor and how we should honor people in our lives and the difference it makes when you choose to honor those around you and see the best in them and want to bless them and want to just honor people. And, and he had this little idea that at the end of his message, this practical idea, he says, hey, I've got an idea. What I want to do, this was a couple of weeks ago, he says, I want to honor Dave and Casey. I want to take up a little offering and all the money we collect, we'll give to Dave and Casey. We'll just give them this surprise gift. They're not here. They're on vacation. So, so this will kind of show how we want to honor them and how we want to just bless them and, and just say thanks, you know, for who you are. 
Now, those of you who know me will know that if Andy had asked me ahead of time if he could do something like that, there's no way I would have let him. I'd be like, dude, no way. Why would you? No, 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 no. I mean, there are so many people here at Connect, staff, volunteers, who do so much. I, I just don't think you should single out. And I was talking to a friend of mine this week, and he was asking me about it, because last week they surprised us. They gave us this, um, this gift. He said, how did that feel? What was that like? I was like, it was really weird. He was asking me, I'll tell you the kind of friend he is, he was asking me about this, and he said, yeah, he goes, when they announced they were doing this, this offering, you know, you should give as you feel towards Dave and Casey. He's like, I thought about our friendship, so when the basket came by, I took $50 out, he said. So, it's <laughs> like, cool. Thanks, mate. So, uh, but he was asking me, he says, you know, how did I, I said, I've got to be honest, mate. I said, it was, it was really kind of awkward, it was difficult, it was humbling for us, because I've stood on this stage on more than one occasion, I've done something where we as a church have blessed others, we as a church have honored others, we as a church have given gifts or given, um, given things to other people, and I, gotta, I love that, I love being the guy being able to bless and honor others, but when I was on the receiving end, it was really kind of a weird place to be, but you know what's happened? As I'm working on this message this week, I've noticed that this week I've kind of been really intentional, really aware of the way I live my life. Because when you receive something like that, when, you, when you're grateful for something like ha- that happening, it kind of makes you think about your role as a follower of Jesus, as a pastor here at Connect Church. And I found that just this week, I've just been really aware of, of just how I respond to people, behavior, these different things, because I was just so grateful for what someone else did for me. You know, I thought about this in the context of, of all of us here, because I think some of us have grown up under this impression that there's this big debt over our lives. Maybe we've been taught this growing up, that, you know, you are such a mess. You are so far from God. You'd better work really hard to pay back that debt. You'd better be very, very good. You'd better come up with a very long list of things that you don't do to make yourself look right in him. Well, I don't do this, and I don't do this, and I don't do this, and I work hard at this, and I work hard at this. But the truth is that God loves us unconditionally. That Jesus died for us in the lost state that we were in. He didn't say, hey, if you'll clean up your acts, I'll go to the cross and I'll die for you. No, he he died for us just as we were. But one day we're going to stand, if you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, one day you're going to stand before God. And he's going to say, why should I let you in heaven? And you're going to pull out this book and you say, well, look, I missed this Sunday and I missed this Sunday. But for the most part, we were there every Sunday. And this is a list of how much I gave. And this is the area I served in at church. And this is what I did. And and look at this page. These are all things I didn't do. None of that matters. That will affect your life. That's a, that's a great way to respond to the of Jesus. But the only thing God will see is that Jesus died for you. That Jesus died in your place. And when we understand that, when we're grateful for what he did, it's almost that out of that gratitude, God, that is so amazing that you would do that for me. Yes, I want to serve you. Yes, I want to follow you. Yes, I want to live my life. Yes, I want to give. Yes, I want to serve. But not because I feel I have to or I feel guilty and I've got to pay back this debt, but because I am so grateful, it actually changes the way I live my life. Case and I were so grateful last week that Andy did that and that many of you, you know, very kindly, kindly blessed us. We are so grateful. It changed the way I lived my life this week. 
And I think when we're aware of what God has done for us, it changes who we are and it changes how we live. So this week, will you make a commitment? Will you be the one? Will you be the one this week that thinks, how can I change my behavior, my thoughts, my attitudes to live a lifestyle of gratitude? Maybe you'll do that. Maybe you'll set an alarm. I love that idea. 12.34, 1, 2, 3, 4. Every day an alarm goes off on your watch, on your phone, and, and it just reminds you just to pause and just speak out loud something you're grateful for. Maybe it's around the dinner table. I think Case and I, we're going to let the kids know this is something because we often have these like, kind of talks around the dinner table. Maybe this will be something that we introduce around our family. What are you grateful for? Let's go around the table and share something right now that you're grateful for. Maybe it's just time where you spend uh, regularly with a journal, with a Bible, with a notebook. Just, God, thank you. I know I ask you for a lot. I know when I pray, there's a long list of requests I have, but I want to spend some time just saying thank you for who you are and what you've done. What will you do to change that behavior, to be the one? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we, we look to that time when you healed those 10 men. And even if nine had returned and one hadn't, that would have been sad. But the, the crazy reality is that only one returned. I feel like, God, that's, that's also a little bit of an insight into human nature, that the majority of the time, we forget. We assume that people know we're grateful. We, we don't go that extra mile to express our gratitude. But one showed us what it looks like. So help us be the one this week that will choose to show our gratitude. Not just assume that people know we're grateful. Not just assume, Lord, that you know we're grateful. But to find some practical ways that we can show our gratitude to you and to the loved ones in our life. Help us in that, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.